Mother Teresa said, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. And Frank said, whoever is happy will make others happy too. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, life is a succession of lessons which must be lived to be understood. Welcome to Make Shit Happen. This is episode number 122. Our guest today is Adam Morales. He's an entrepreneur, investor, and a rancher. I like Adam's story as this is a young man who's trying to get up in the world and who's trying to increase his network. And he's doing it with his main business and some other businesses that he's accumulating, trying to accumulate wealth uh, through real estate and through basically, you know, flipping and the hustle. I like the guy's hustle and I hope you enjoy this interview with Adam Morales. Guys, if you're in the market for furniture or mattresses, please visit Exclusive Furniture. Exclusive Furniture has seven locations in the greater Houston area. Or if you're not in the Houston area, visit us online at exclusivefurniture.com. We have financing available, also extended protection plans. Anything that you can think about, exclusivefurniture.com does have it. 97% of the furniture is in stock to be delivered immediately within 48 hours of your purchase. Guys, visit ExclusiveFurniture.com. Financing available. Exclusive furniture where low prices live. Welcome to Make Shit Happen. Our guest today is Adam Morales. Adam, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you so much for making the time and coming over here. Before the interview, I was talking to you and you told me about how you own these, uh, you know, you, are, uh, you own barbershops. Yes. And one thing that really intrigued me is you're a rancher. <laughs> you have some cattle. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then you're a real estate investor. Yes, sir. I, and, I, and I love the, the cattle rancher uh, thing because, you know, a lot of people especially the people in my audience who listen to the show, they probably never met a real life rancher, right? Just like, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you talk about like, well, what, is, what does the process look like? And, uh, and really intrigued me a little bit. So tell us a little bit about this ranching thing. Uh, you know, what, what, how does it work? Yeah, well, first off, I want to say, same. thanks for having me on here, man. I remember you growing up here in Houston and seeing your, your uh, commercials on TV, hearing that, where low price lives all <laughs> Thank the time. Thank you, brother. Thank man, you. Man, I remember growing up watching that, so that's awesome. I'm actually glad to be a, a part of it. So as far as the ranching, man, the ranching is something that had came into as an investment uh, for our family. We bought it as an investment for, you know, back in 1996 and been running cattle since then. We kind of had the kind of love affair of the whole Western lifestyle and just having the acreage and doing something. My father, when he was uh, running the barbershops back then, you know, we, we were very successful in that. So he had a lot of profits left over and he was buying smaller single family homes and he got to the point where he was tired of chasing around rent, trying to chase around rent, trying to chase around different people, getting into this, getting that, up repairs. You know what it's like have to be have a rental portfolio. So he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm gonna sell it all. Fuck it. I'm just gonna buy one big place. I can worry about that. Enjoy my time. Cause he grew up on a farm when he was uh when he was a boy himself. He says, I'm gonna do that instead. So that's what he did. So he boom purchased that, and then I kind of fell into it as well, too. I just I've always had a love for animals. And being out there in the open, you know, so we're on the San Bernardo River. So we have fishing, we have hogs, we have hunting, 
Uh, we have deer crossing all the time back and forth. And so we raise cattle as our main income source for the ranch and also have horses as well. too. So, so tell like, you know, tell our audience, how does, how does it work? I mean, you know, uh, you were telling me that y'all have uh, 90 cattle or 90 heads. Yes. And, and the, and they're grazing. Tell, tell us a little bit, walk us through. So basically what we're the beginning portions of what you would get at the grocery store to your table. So, okay. you know, we, we have, about 90 head that we're running right now. And these are the ones that the mamas are out there that are, you know, they're with their bulls, circle of life coming across. They're having the calves. The calves are reaching about 500 to 400 to 500 pounds on their body weight. And from there, we're, sh we're shipping those to our local uh, cattle auction. And they, through the auction there in the crowd, there's feedlot buyers. And the feedlot buyers are the ones that are taking them to their feedlots, growing them out to, you know, 800, 900,000 pounds to grow them out. Then those go into the slaughterhouses and that's what you're getting out into the packages and market you buy. Now, now, now the one that the, the cattle that y'all have, I mean, or, you know, the calves that y'all come up mm. with is just the regular grocery store. Yeah. It's regular and then, beef. And then there's, there's different classes of beef, right? So yeah. There's a, you know, the, uh, what is it? The, um, uh, Kashi beef or what is it? Yeah, the Wagyu yeah, beef. Right. And there's the grass fed, which I can actually probably go through grass fed because another good friend of mine, he was the one starting to do that as well too, and I just never really jumped into that. I, I'm kind of being more passive with this with this business, as far as you know. I'm more into. So the, now some of those real expensive, they they have like some kind of special treatment. They yeah, do. I, I mean, think there's a different treatment actually that leaves from us. We're like the very very beginning stage. Yeah, so, so you're the know, very beginning stage. Yeah. You are the one who's sending the calves, and then yeah, and then it goes to different places, and they the way they they raise it. Yeah, the way they raise it and what they do with the meat. You're talking like the aged meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's something they do afterwards. Just nothing special on our end. Gotcha. Yeah. So so y'all just basically got that got big ranch. Yeah, the grazing coming around and then so and then what you you round up the cattle every two three months or oh no so we're, we're usually doing our roundups uh, every six months we <laughs> go through and we check our herd we check our our uh, pregnancy rates and seeing what's open and what's pregnant and then deciding if we need to put bulls back on them or take them off for the summer or move them around a different paddock so they make sure we have our 90 percent calf crop uh, give them their usual shots to make sure that they don't get any worms or diseases or anything from being out there that's pretty much it. And we so do the the keep some of the calves, or you yes, definitely auction we, some we, of them. We, we auction eighty uh, percent of them. We keep okay. you know good replacement heifers to just to keep the life cycle going. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, so so that's that's where the ranching business is. Yes. At. Okay, and then you also have the your main income source is barbershop. Yes. Okay. So so tell us like you know uh, your, your dad started this barbershop. You said back in eighty six. Yeah, my dad was uh, this you know. It's the start of uh, Mike's Barbershop uh, here in the Galleria in 1986. We've been in that business for a very, very, very long time. Okay. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, that's a long. That's a long time. That's uh, what about 34 years? Yeah, 34 years, sir. And then we we've changed from there. We grew. I actually grew that when I took over back in the early 2000s into five locations. So we had um, simultaneously when he bought that one, Mike's Barbershop. He had the bought the one in Northline Mall. I don't know if you remember Northline yes. Mall there, 45 and Airline. We were inside that mall. Best. I think six months afterwards, he bought this and he bought that one. Mm. We had those two running simultaneously. From there, we grew uh, into two more, one in Rosenberg and then one out by, in, uh, not near Katy, but more West Houston. So uh, West Timer and Dairy Ashford going yeah. out that way. So we were there for a while. And then from there, we grew into uh, Northwest Mall before they closed. And then so Northline Mall and Nor Northwest is closed. So yeah. You, so you, I'm sure you lost that. Well, Northline Mall, I actually, when we moved from the inside mall to the open air concept we moved with the mall we were the last ones the only small business that actually moved from the mall itself to their new location there on 45 is what you see now 
And I sold that business back in 2017 because I actually was focusing more on the ranching and grew my ranching business out that way. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm not too focused on it. Let me go and sell that business. And I focused on that more. Okay. And what about the other locations? Did you sell them eventually? or what yeah, It's just do? kind of organically, you know, North, Northwest Mall closed down. So that's just kind of one that went away to uh, Rosenberg one. We wound up selling that one as well, too. And then uh, the one out West Timer. I mean, it's the building is still there, but there's nothing there anymore in that central that uh shopping, shopping center, center. So we just we just left you know over time yeah just yeah it was just traffic. like yeah the yeah. shopping center just went bad so you probably could but then in 2017 or 2018 you bought another one yeah in 2019 19 yeah. i'm sorry yeah, february 2019 you know so one of my things is you know i'm always uh you know from that experience of buying selling starting and all that i have a lot of experience in the barbershop game and how to run them and how to do you know stuff uh, kind of remote so I was actually looking for another shop because I was like, well, you know, that's my core business. I know it really well. I grew up in it, you know, so I let's look for another one. And just I started out there just going through biz by sell through all the channels, looking for a business, came across this one, negotiated with the owner, you know, and got a good deal to uh, acquire this one as well. Okay. So now you have two, the Mike's Barbershop in the Galleria. Yes. And uh, in the Galleria area. And then the, the new one, the one you opened up, you bought in 2019. Yes. Uh, why you don't call it uh, Mike's Barbershop? Y'all have a different name to it. Well, it's just completely different concepts. Mike, Mike's Barbershop, you know, with my father started was more of the uh, low, bu low budget, high volume type of haircut. So you go to Mike's, it's a $6 haircut. You get in there, you can get a hair, you know, awesome haircut in about 15, 20 minutes. Depending right. on, of course, wait time or whatever, right. however other people right. waiting. 46 and 2 is completely different. I don't know if earlier I was telling you that we have like a VIP room. We give away free liquor. We have a completely different uh, feel to the shop. So that's why when I bought it, I bought the name with it because once you go in there, it's completely different than what I've done before. So I've always done on the more of the budget friendly side. So this is more on the high end side, like a, a typical haircut there is $30. I mean, if you see me with the beard and all that, we go in there and our package is 46 and 2, kind of uh, hence to the name, but it's a, a, a cold, sh it's a nice hot towel shave, a good clean haircut, you know, shave on the neckline, the whole work. So you really get to feel like a million bucks when you're sitting there and getting that whole treatment. Got you. So what, what, let me ask you, what concept do you like better? It's hard because both have good benefits. And of course they both have their, you know, not so good Downfills. On downsides yeah. on it, but, uh, I'm I'm more of a fan, I guess, between what we had originally started because it had been very, very successful for us. Now, don't get me wrong. This other one it has a very, 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 very good potential. And actually, we're working on taking this particular concept to franchise here in the next year. Oh, nice! And what what making you what's making you want to franchise it? You know, it's a lot of the customers because you know they see our branding, they see the name, they see how the shop is set up, and they're always asking me, "Is this the only location? Are there any others?" You know, is this a franchise? They're always asking me those questions. And then when I particularly went there, the first day when I was touring barbershops, because I went and toured probably about five or six of them that were on my acquisition list. Say, hey, I've talked to 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 agents. They go look at this one. Tell me what you think. And I stepped into this one, and I just I just felt it. Like it's you know, yeah, you just got walk in, you have that gut feeling like this yeah. is the one. This is gonna work. Let me do this one. That's what I felt like. Gotcha. And when I sat there and I got my services done for the first time there from the employees that were there. You know, I felt like this particular concept was something that I could take to franchise because of the branding, because of the feel, because of the look. I said, this is what I need to do that. And I've always had this idea of franchising my barbershops, all of them. But I, I was something missing, I guess, that, that I just didn't have there. And I feel like I have it here with this one. Yeah, I got you. And it's, it's like the full service. And I mean, you know, make make the guys feel like, yeah. you know, get, getting the guys pampered. I mean, they can't, they can't do that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and you got like, I'm assuming you 
playing sports over there? Yeah, we have uh, we have a projection screen in the VIP room, and it plays various things. I mean, sports, whatever's going on, uh, news, uh, whatever current movies. affairs. Yeah, yeah I got, you, got you, got you, got yeah. you, got uh, you. And then all of a sudden, you 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 got into real estate. Yes. Okay. So rancher, barbershop, <laughs> now and then real estate. Yes. So what are you doing in real estate? Right now, I'm just uh, doing a lot of uh, rehab uh, to rental properties. Okay. Specifically staying out. Uh, so you're the- buying these properties, rehabbing them, making them up to date, and then renting them out. Yes. Okay. So I'm buying them, rehabbing them, putting in the equity, renting them out, putting them in production, then rehabbing and continuing you, washing over. Did you ever got in flips? Yes. I started off flipping in 2015. Okay. Yeah, 2015. And then you flipped it, and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to keep some of them. I'd rather build wealth. Yes, exactly. So, so, so why, I mean, and- you know, one thing that, that I read on your bio is uh, about wealth building. Yes. W- w- tell me why is it so important to build wealth for you? I don't know if it's so much for me. It's just so much for just for my family, for the next generation. So one of the things that I'm doing as far as my wealth building strategies, because I've already got, you know, I'm already in the, the millionaire status right now. So I'm actually making sure that I can protect that. So I'm starting to put together, you know, my trust, my LLCs, my things like that. Not necessarily for me, but for my next generation, for my two kids, for my mm-hmm. daughter, for my son. So that can continue on and then they can do the same thing that I did. My father taught me a lot of the things ahead. I always tell everyone that I grew up with the rich dad, poor dad book scenario. I grew up with a rich dad, not so much just with the money, but in the mindset of, you know, if you're going to get a job, take a job for the experience that you're going to learn, for the skills you're going to learn. You know, if you, there's a need that you can fill, fill the need, find a way to create a, an income source for yourself and not just go out and get a job. So I grew up with that mentality all my life. And I, so I'm now teaching my kids that my, my son sat down the other day and asked me, what is it like to be an entrepreneur? What can I do to be an entrepreneur? And I said, well, you know, unfortunately that word, that word is so thrown out there that, you know, just a guy on Instagram who's, who's got a nice car or something is saying, I'm an entrepreneur when he's really not. So I sat down and broke it down to him what it actually took to become one. And I said, now you need to think about what you can do to buy and sell, to invest, to anything, to create something and bring, you know, an idea and to create it that you can become a business owner. You can become the actual true entrepreneur yourself. Even though he's 11, I said, you start thinking about things like that now. Guess what I was? Absolutely, absolutely. And good good, good age to, to teach them that. Uh, now, you said something about mindset. Tell me, what do you mean by mindset? Well, like I said, I, I grew up with the, the perfect influence, the perfect thing. If you read the Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, that's just going to tell you exactly how I grew up. And that's very, very important because there's a lot of things that, Man, a lot of people get scared of. Fear is a big driver. I know you and I, I think we met on Clubhouse. So I've been going on Clubhouse and I'm listening to these people, these real estate investors, and they're talking of all these scenarios they're going through and analyzing so many things and never actually pulling the trigger and doing something. But when I wanted to get in real estate in 2015, even though I saw my father have a few houses and he got tired of it and bought a ranch instead, I was like, I want to do it. But I didn't ever ask him, hey, what did you do or what did you do this and that? Any advice? I just picked up some books, learned the language of real estate, learned the language of money. And I started cold, call, cold calling realtors, finding, driving around the neighborhoods, finding houses for sale, calling them, figuring out, and then cold calling uh, hard money lenders just to kind of put everything together. And I just went out and did it. It wasn't a thought or why. I just went and did it. So I just took action. And asked a bunch of questions and learned everything along the way. I literally jumped out of the, jumped out of the plane and built the parachute on the way down. And I've done that all my life. And, and I've, I've sit here and see people that 
have so many questions and do this, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis and don't ever get anything done because you're so worried about it. Mm -hmm. I just jump in and do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, fear is a big uh, deterrent of success. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. And I tell a lot of people the reason that I'm a success is because of taking action and failure. That's yeah. simple. So, I mean, but what gives you the confidence to do that? It's taken a long time to get this way. Uh -huh. It's taken a long time, uh, but it's just doing, failing more and more and more. It, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard as hell to stay motivated failure after failure. But once you start getting used to it, you start realizing that the failures are lessons. Of course, we are hear these cliches all the time, but it really is true. You start learning what's not working and what can work. You mm -hmm. just start begin again with the experience you had before. Yeah, but you know, um, you know, a lot of we hear the cliches all the time. Yeah, you have to fail yeah, in order exactly, to succeed, exactly. and blah blah blah, right? And I mean, failing. But I mean, man, when when you fail, it really, it really, you know, mess up with your mindset. Yes, it does. It I does. mean, it, it really, it really mess with your emotions. And I mean, how do you overcome that? It's hard. It's like I was telling my wife the other day. I said, okay, so back in so in 2015, I was flipping houses. That was doing really well. And I started flipping cows as well. That's a whole other market in there as well. And then I started focusing more on the ranching. So I, from the ranching from there, I kind of scaled back on the houses. I flipped two houses, took the money out, and then I actually bought another ranch in Waco, 700 acres. So I grew that, had 200 head of cows over there. I had another lease place in Victoria, had another, I think, 25 head over there. So we were expanding and growing. And then after that, we had the floods of Harvey. In 2017, we had a flood uh, prior to that, I think, uh, just the rain floods from up north coming yeah. down here. So that was considered like natural disaster number one. So we went through a lot of ups and downs. The market fell. you know. So that was a big expansion outreach and putting a lot of money out there. And, you know, it didn't go as, as what I had planned just because of natural disaster. So that was failure number two. And we come through and we're sitting here with the barbershop and we just acquired this barbershop and we're really going really well. We're hitting it hitting it well. And then, you know, we get deemed a non-essential business closed for two months. Yeah. You know, sales have suffered big time. You know, we're operating at a 50% capacity now. Now we're seeing, starting to see the uptick in the business more and more now as people are getting their vaccinations and feel a little more comfortable coming out. But so that was kind of like natural disaster number two. So I was telling my wife, I said, next business we do, we have to plan for the natural disaster. So we don't have to sit here wondering what the hell we have that plan say, okay, this is the worst case scenario. What are we going to do so we can keep moving forward? I mean, you know, nobody, nobody could have uh, planned for COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you you got to have a strong mindset. Yes. Because I mean, when you go through these challenges, when you go through these failures, and when you go through, you know, shut down yes. a business for two, three months, and and not being able to operate your business in a regular uh, capacity, capacity yeah. for like seven, eight months. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's it's daunting. It's I mean, it, your mind start playing tricks on you. I mean, you know, you, it, it's easy to get demotivated. Yeah. But you know, one thing I always say is like you got to be strong to continue going yes. because nobody's going to hand it to you. No. If no. you don't wake up in the morning and you don't go to work, it doesn't matter exactly. how bad of a day you have, how much of a personal problems you have, what kind of, you know, how, how much your head is hurting or your back is hurting. The, the, the difference between a successful person and a person who wants to be successful is one takes action, the other action. one doesn't. And it's action. And and you know, so so that's good. I mean, you know, mindset success uh, is 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 huge for success. Now, you know, I'm I'm interested and I'm intrigued because I also do some real estate investing, yes. right? You mentioned that. Yeah. What? I mean, you know, you I, I read uh, you know somewhere that you took five hundred dollar and you turned it into a seven figure 
real estate portfolio. Yes. How, how did you do that? <laughs> well, I, I, so this is how it kind of turned out. What I had happened was, is that, so I was looking at, uh, you know, making a move because we had just kind of game off the whole ranching failure thing. I mean, we, we had scaled up, you know, to 1500 acres, 200 head of cattle, all of that. And since the market fell out, we kind of had to scale back. So we just stayed back with the main ranch which was 500 acres and back to about a hundred head on there. And I was looking to do something different because I had sold my barbershop. I had sold the Northline location right at, right before then to dive into this thinking, hey, this is going to be my next thing. This is what I'm going to really strive for. I'm going to grow up to, you know, be 5,000 acres and, you know, 500 head of cattle like I wanted to. But the market dictated something different. It's funny how they say man plans, but God laughs. Yeah. So coming back from that, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? And thinking about different businesses and different things to get into. And I said, well, you know what? I learned a lot from a mentor called Dan Pena. And his main thing was uh, QLA, which is, you know, acquisitions. And growing up with my father and his mindset, he's bought in a lot of these barbershops. He's like, well, why would I want to start something where I'm going to be standing around forever and I can buy some sort of basis, some sort of foundation, some sort of cash flow and build upon that? So taking that idea, I just started looking down the market. And I said, well, okay, well, we've done barbershops all my life. I know exactly how to run them. I've been, you know, uh, been behind the chair, been the manager, been everything just from, from learning all the rest of them. So I said, let me do that. So I went through and like I said, going through all of the regular business buying channels, found this location and, and went through and, and but did all of that. $500. So, yeah. So that time right there. So I made that decision. I said, I'm going to do this. And then at the same time too, I said, well, real estate is good for me. I've done it before. Let me do that. So I kind of threw a net out there for both of them. So the acquisition, the LOI got accepted for the acquisition of the barbershop. The earnest money contract and the, and the sales contract for the uh, first house that I was going to buy to get back into uh, real estate got accepted as well, too. So I had basically just closed on the barbershop and I had this other real estate business right here that I was trying to and they got closed on as well. So I just spent hundred and something thousand dollars buying that barbershop and I was broke. And have a painting to my name other than I had vested in everything because I'm a firm believer, you know, keeping their, keeping your soldiers out there, your money yeah. out there working and running for you. So I was like, OK, well, how am I going to I'm not going to just walk away from this potential, you know, hundred and thirty thousand dollar deal and I can continue to roll it and roll it and roll it. I said, let me figure out a creative way to do this. So being in the whole ranch and industry and all that, I had buddies that were going around and working cows for other people and said, hey, uh, you know, guy's got a trailer here for sale, you know, a decent trailer, cattle trailer, sell it for 500 bucks. Bingo. There's my outlet. Went, picked it up, looked at it. Didn't need hardly any work. Didn't even do anything to it. I think I maybe we connected the lights on the back. Drug it home. And since I'm on Facebook with all the different forms, I took it, cleaned it up, advertised it to the right people around the local areas that were needing a trailer, sold it for $3,500. I took that $3,500 and then I went through a credit card and got a cash advance of $2,500 and took the $5,000 that I needed to close on this one particular house there. Close on that house there and then I, we did the whole thing like I've been doing so far at taking uh, rehabbing the rehabbing the property, put it into rental and then refine it. And I've done that so many times over and over and over is how I've kind of created my portfolio now where I have about uh, 10 houses and various other real estate trans, uh, holdings as far as agriculture as well, too, and a bunch of stuff. So that's kind of created to my big portfolio. Got you. So you just you just did some flipping. Yeah, just you know, do some creative financing. I think someone told me one time flipping. and just kind of moving and moving. Going out moving. there going out there and making it work, making it happen. Making it happen. Because like I said, I was trying to, to figure out what was the next thing, and I threw two things out there, and both of them hit. 
thankfully. Yeah. And it was one of them that was already running and we can already apply our management style to it. So it wasn't something I had to go and dedicate a thousand hours to so you, just to get it going. I said, well, I know the real estate as well, too. I've got, you know, hard money. I've got all that stuff already lined up. I just needed the deal. I found the deal, but I struck on one and needed to find a resource for another. And I did that. So you, you use hard money lending and yes. you'd need a $5,000 to close. So yeah. That was, I needed works. to bring to the closing costs. You know, got the property you. I picked up for 55 K I put 20 into it, had an ARV of uh, 130,000. So, you know, we refied, pulled our money out that. And then I did on the next property in the same area, then on the next property, the next property, the next property. Got you, man. Hey, rolling. and that's, you know, you know, it, it takes guts and courage to do yeah. that. Okay, some people, they just keep thinking, what if I can't do it? Yeah. But if you believe that you can do it, then then should happen. A lot of people in that situation would be like, well, you know, I already got this one. I, I can't focus on anything else. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I, I was able to have the management staff team there and able to do this as well. Now, you know, you, you said, you said your, uh, you know, your entrepreneur upbringing, you know, had a major role to play with it. Yes. So, I mean, how was, how was your relationship with your dad? I mean, were you going to the barbershop with them all the time growing up? I mean, tell us a little bit. So I grew up as an only child. So yeah, I was dragged on against, against my will, I guess you would say, to go. But I mean, in the forefront, it looked like that. But as I sat there, there's meetings where I've sat there where my father is negotiating to buy this or trying to do that or trying to figure out advertise or something. And I'm sitting there listening. At that time, you know, I didn't have a Game Boy or any of that stuff to play with. It wasn't on my phone. I was just sitting there actively listening. And I guess a lot of that stuff just stayed with me. Yeah. Now I, you know, when you're a little, it. when you're a little kid, it feels like it's punishment and you hate it. Right. <laughs> but, but eventually yeah. like I had another guest on my thing. You never realized it at that time, yes. but I mean, you know, 15, 20, 25 years later, yes. you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad it happened. It makes sense. You're like, Oh, so that's what we were doing over. That's why we did this. And then you can, you know, fortunate enough, I'm still have my father with me so I can go back and ask him certain things. Like, yeah, yeah. That's if I remember, right. That's what we were doing. So, it's kind of bringing that whole full circle around. That's what I do with my kids. So when did your father uh, step back and retired? Step back officially in like 2003. Um, okay. He started putting me in play uh, right as I got my first car. So 16, he was like, well, if you're going to get a car, you're going to start doing stuff for us. Uh -huh. You know, you're not getting it for free. So I actually put some money together to put a down payment on the car. And then he's like, all right, so the rest of it, you're going to work off. So I started working for him and doing whatever I needed to do and learning the business, learning just from being an errand boy. I learned to sweep hair. And then learning to start managing people, how to hire, how to fire, and all of that. And then he says, okay, so now you understand the management portion of all the business and all the business takes behind that. He goes, now you need to go work behind the chair so you understand both aspects of the business. And that way you, you're unstoppable because you know both things. Yeah. So you just you just cut it, uh, you started cutting hair? Yeah, I started cutting hair. I got my license, I believe, in 2005. Okay. Got my license there and was working at my shop. So, I mean, it wasn't a strain or anything. It was my own schedule and whatnot. So it was kind of a little lax, but I kept it as a real job and kept going at it. Try to stick to a schedule as much as possible. It's still running the stores, but keeping there and then learning. Um, and I was pretty skillful in, in, in barbering as well, too. So it was kind of a love affair for me. I liked it for a while and then kept going. Gotcha. Adam, you're still a young guy. I mean, you're, what, 37? 37, yes, Yeah. So what, what is the goal? I mean, what is, what is the next seven eight year goal or ten year goal next seven eight year goals you know my, my overall goal is to you know achieve a net worth of 500 million mm -hmm. so that i know we we're talking earlier that seems like a really really big number to me it seems like it's a big number but now i have to figure out all the steps to get there i actually have to grow into a different person to even get on the path to even walk down there to figure out how i'm gonna get there yeah so my next few things for me myself now is to invest more into real estate 
single family homes in the area where I'm at right now in West Columbia. And then from there, I want to start attacking more of the bigger multifamily uh, projects here in Houston. I've gotten a lot of offers or I've gotten a lot of, um, I guess offers you would say for people wanting to sell things in Houston. And I'm just, hasn't really been too into it because I'm kind of sticking in my niche market over there, but we're doing really well out there. So my goal is to increase my real estate uh, portfolio and real estate business to kind of get me to where I want to go. And simultaneously as well too, I, I'm a firm believer in business acquisitions because why would you want to start anything when you can buy something that's already running? So I'm looking as well that as a bolt on to either focus more on real estate and purchase businesses that are in the realm uh, because I'm doing a lot of rehab. So, you know, something that's in construction, something that's uh, house leveling, something painting, something like that, that I can ha- buy that's already a cost on my end. So I'm already paying painters. Like I paid my, my house level the other guy, like 12 grand a little house, you know, something in myself, man, if I would have bought the company had that, it wouldn't cost me anything. But not only that, I can also advertise to everyone else and start making additional revenue so I can buy more properties and keep going. Yeah. So I'm thinking about doing acquisitions as far as that realm um, in the real estate business that can kind of bolt on to what my goal is to help me achieve that number. And then my other goal as well too. And I know we're kind of bouncing to two things, but no, I, no, no, real no. estate mm-hmm. and then barbershops is taking that 46 and two barber to franchise. I believe my whole, you always start begin with the end. So my whole goal is to get the franchise concept gun, get out there and sell the franchises and sell maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred franchises. And then maybe we'd sell the whole company to somebody else who would want to, you know, hedge fund would want to take the business because it's already cash flowing X amount and whatnot, and they can hold it better than I would. So that's kind of the end goal is to build it up, build it really, really nice up, get the franchises out there, get it operational and then sell off the company as well. Later gotcha. On. I mean, you know, for a young man, I mean, you know, to, to have that kind of goals, I mean, it's a, it's a big uh, overhaul. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So what, what you know, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I know you told me earlier that you're ready for the challenge and you, you know, you don't mind working and yeah, putting it out there, man. Exactly. That's yeah. good. Hey, I wish you, I wish you good luck in doing all that stuff. I mean, you know, it's, uh, and, and I mean, still young, so I mean, you can definitely get over there, <laughs> get out there and get it done and have, having a good goal is always, is always good. Now you say you, you know, you mentioned the rich dad, poor dad couple of times. Yes. Is that one of your favorite books or that's one of the books that resonated with me and my upbringing the most. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of different books that I've read uh, right now. Any, any couple, any ones that you would ri- like to recommend? Um, Release your breaks by Jim Newman. Release your breaks by, Jim, your Newman. Breaks by Jim Newman. Basically we're talking about, you know, you go through life always wondering what if, or kind of walking around, uh-huh. you kind of, you know, on the old back in the days when you used to put the, put your um, emergency brakes on in the car, uh-huh. you could still drive the car, the car was slowed down. It was wear and tear a lot of it and everything. It was hard to move. But as soon as you hit that release brake and you just got a, a jolt of energy and you're able to move up and do more things. So that's kind of creating your mind and kind of what your reality structure is. Why do you think the way you think? If, I'm one thing that was favorite one they was talking about, like, so my daughter, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a healthy guy before I was, I was right at about 285 pounds and I lost about a hundred pounds. Wow. That's great. So I wasn't really big on vegetables. So my daughter was the upgrading that I wasn't eating broccoli and none of that. So she had a negative connotation because I'm not eating that shit. I don't want that. You know, when my wife would make food. So as I was reading the book, it's saying, well, you know, the young mind is getting all of that. It's getting the, you know, the negative connotation. Well, mommy likes it, but daddy doesn't, but I'm going to listen to daddy. Cause he's the one saying, I don't like it either. So if I don't like it and he doesn't like it, why do I have to eat it? Yeah. So I put that rock per se in her mindset of why she doesn't like broccoli. So now it's been a little hard to understand that now I do eat broccoli all the time because of the health benefits. So she's starting to see that, but I'm able to start changing her mind. But that was one of the big things in the book. It's like the things that you deposit that from in, from personal influences or outside influences that kind of stay with you 
and how to change that. So how to, you know, how to get that different mindset to just change your mind. That's okay. That's awesome, man. I'm um, gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna read that book. You know? Yeah, there's a couple of other ones that I, I've always, I've always. Uh, that's one of the biggest ones. The next, last one I just read during this whole week we had off and we were trying to survive from the cold was, uh, was um, a book on Navy, um, Navy SEALs ideology on raising children, raising mm. young men. And that kind of helped me get a different idea of, you know, a lot of the people nowadays that need to be a little bit more rougher and tougher, need to be pushed to do things, not so much scared of being that fearful. Get out there like you would think a Navy SEAL. You think a Navy SEAL is scared of anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may be, but they still have the ability within them to go out there and do it. And that's kind of the thing that I'm trying to teach my son is, yes, you may be scared, but just go out there, get it done. Because once you get on the other side of the fear, everything you want is right on the other side of that. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Uh, every, you know, the, the good thing is always on the other side of the fear, yes, of fear yes. man. Uh, where can people find you on, on social media? Um, you know, Adam Morales on uh, Facebook and it's Adam one on Instagram. You can follow all of my barbershops. We're on social media, 46 and two barber Mike's barbershop. You know, the Mike's barbershops in the Galleria 46 two is in energy corridor. We're on social media that as well. And catch me there. Uh, Instagram, uh, I've been seeing you on Instagram as well too. And myself. Yeah. So, you know, it's always you, nice. you said, you said that, uh, you, you also were on clubhouse. Are you on clubhouse? Yes, I'm on clubhouse as what well. What do you think too. about that platform? I like it and I don't like it. It's good to make connections because, you know, I, I've seen you on TV all my life. I just yeah. didn't know how to reach out. I mean, I guess I could have just called and said, hey, to give me your podcast. But I honestly did not know you had a podcast because yeah. you were in a room, I guess, on a podcast guest or something like that. I don't even remember where was I at. Yeah, yeah. I was just going through. I the, went through a couple of rooms over there. I was there. just going through. It just takes too it. long, man. Yeah, it does. It, it, it takes is, too much time. It is a time waster. Yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot from Clubhouse. I've learned specifically from one guy, ML Billion. He was on there preaching about uh, business credit and uh, taking your credit and doing utilizing the business credit, not so much the personal credit. So that kind of opened up my whole mind. Growing up, I knew the the essence of credit. I never really had great credit because I never really did anything under my credit. Mm. Always done everything cash because our barbershop was a hundred percent cash business. Yeah. So now that I understand and can you have the understanding of what actually entails by having a good credit score, and not only that personally, but utilizing it for your business for additional loans and lines of credit. I mean, that right there is another one of my goals. How can I get to my number? Because oh yeah, business, business cre- personal credit is king. Yes. And I mean, you know, and then, then leveraging it to make, to establish your business credit more. Yes. Is, is everything. I mean, you know, like today, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't guarantee any loans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why would you? I mean, you know, my business guarantees every loan. Exactly. But uh matter of fact, I but was, I was going to refinance one of my properties, uh-huh. one of my, one of our stores, um, because we could save some money. And I initially acquired this property in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the banker wanted me to guarantee it because I did, that was my first property. I did it in 2014. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to do it because in last six, seven years, we have grown to, yeah. you know, to have that thing. So, so we don't, we, you know, I don't guarantee any loans. Yeah. I can take, I can go out there and get a $10 million property uh, or, or get a $3 million land put $7 billion building in it, have a $10 million loan. I don't personally guarantee it. I mean, you know, everybody should do that because yeah. you should look into it. There's a lot of people that don't understand that. A lot of, a lot of the uh, Comunidad Latina doesn't understand it as well too. Cause the guy that I was telling you, I just paid 12 grand to level my house. He just, I met him cause I cold called a bunch of foundation companies. And he said, the company you had called, I used to work from a long time ago, but I left and formed my own. He said, the guy is sick. I, you know, he's thinking about selling it. Blah, blah. This was a few a few years ago when he did that one. He'll be telling me. So I met with him the other day. He's like, I bought it. I said, but what did you buy? I go, I got the name and I got this and that. I said, 
Did you buy the LLC? Did you buy the entity? Did you buy the insurance? Did you buy any of the social? He goes, it came with everything. I don't know. I said, well, what you need to do is you need to, he goes, I have my DBA and everything. I said, that's great. Your DBA is only good in Missouri County. You want to go work somewhere else. You know, your name is just good there. Get the LLC, get the LLC, get your EIN number, go out there and establish those things and establish those business, mm-hmm. establish those lines. So you can establish a business credit. And I said, you see that excavator over there? If you need to get an excavator, you can get one in 0% financing when you have good business credit and had nothing to do with yourself. Yeah, that definitely. And I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. I mean, if, if people who are getting in business, they need to learn a lot about what, you know, what LLC is. First of all, yes. I mean, there's people think, oh, if I have a DBA, it means everything. Yeah. DBA, that means you're personally liable for everything. You're doing business as. You're just uh, saying yeah. your name is doing something as a different That's name. It. That's it. Adam, thank you for coming on the show, man. I wish I could talk even longer and we can take <laughs> the show longer and have another conversation. But I really appreciate you coming. Thank you for, thank you for having you know, for, for giving us some of these tidbits and some nuggets that you dropped on us, man. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, guys, if you are on Instagram, Facebook, follow Adam. Uh, again, Adam, what is on Instagram? What is the Instagram handle? It's Adam One. It's usually Adam that One. on that and Clubhouse as well. All right, perfect, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming. Thank you for, for sharing the knowledge with us. And I wish you good luck and hope you get to your goal. Yes, sir. Thank one you. day soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. This basically is the epitome of anything can happen if you put your hard work, your mind, and your hustle mentality on. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to it. Please, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. And let's go out there and make shit happen.